Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Die Hard MMA Podcast. I'm your host, your boy right here, as always, Clint, coming to you for yet another week of MMA gambling degenerate action. And we're coming off a good one. We're coming off a nice, big, fat, juicy eight-unit win. We're rocking the Die Hard Stimmy T-shirt. I felt it was appropriate to grab the money chain for this one. Anytime we, you know, get up and over that, like, three, four-unit markets, it's worthy of the money chain, in my opinion. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you followed the undefeated Friday post-weigh-in show because we hit... Kennedy and Chukwu at 11 to 1, baby. That felt so damn good. Big night for us. Awesome night for us. Unfortunately, UFC 288 ended on a little bit of a lull. Gave just a little back with that Henry Cejudo split decision. Went the wrong way. What are you going to do? You want to be on the plus side on those split decisions. It was close, so I can't complain. Would have been just gorgeous for my guy Henry to regain the belt cash another two units it would have been a four unit swing for the official record would have put us up over 10 would have been absolutely glorious this close this close but the reads are good we are on point and unless i'm mistaken i need to do the official record update but i'm probably going to wait for you know two weeks or something like that to do that that puts us in the vicinity of up 36 units for 2023 so feeling good right on track everything rolling the way we need it to how are you all doing this evening? We got 38 live viewers already rocking with us here in the chat. My guy, George Ray Pro, saying seven hours early to the comment section. Might not make it. Great results past weekend. George, your dedication, my friend, is astounding. Thank you for getting in the stream seven hours early to go ahead and put this comment in here. And George, I got to tell you, I hope you listen to the replay when you have a minute because, uh, my friend, you and your dedication have earned you the first victory of the evening. That's right, everybody. We're giving away T-shirts. So I want to go ahead and let you all know that we've got new merch in the building. We've got the new logo, Die Hard MMA Podcast T-shirt right here for you. And the next design up, we've got the Let's 
roll. And as you can see on my shop right here, you can choose, you know, your color. You can choose the design. I've got a bunch of different sizes and styles. And then, of course, my personal favorite, the brand new Always Trust Your Balls t-shirt. Because that has been our motto in 2023. We've been trusting our balls and it's led us straight to glory. So I had to get a shirt made up for it. What we're going to do is uh, I'm going old school. We're going to do a couple of different giveaways throughout the evening. I haven't decided on a number yet. So if you guys smash the like button and get it to a ridiculous number, like, I don't know, up and over 150 or something like that, I'll be more enticed to give away more shirts. But George, make sure you hook up with me. I'm going to write everybody's name down, and we'll do a couple of uh, giveaways throughout the evening. And it's going to be a little different this time because I've got an online shop. I don't know if I can do them like as gifts and ship them to like a different location, or if I have to order them, have them shipped to me, and then ship them out to you guys. So bear with me. It might take a little longer to get you your, your merch. But those of you who are tuning in on this uh, awesome little card here, you guys are the real ones. And we're going to give you a shot to go ahead and win some merchandise here for us. So thank you all very much for being with me. I'm getting caught up on all these comments. We got the usuals in the house. And I've already spent about five minutes just getting this whole thing teed up for you guys. So you know who you are. You know I love you. I'm going to bring in tonight's guest because we have an absolutely awesome handicapper with us. One of the best guys in the game. One of the good guys of MMA Twitter. None other than Liam Picks fights and he deserves a full screen not this what is this little dinky setup there you go buddy how you doing liam i'm doing great pal happy to be here excited to talk some fights with you and uh yeah i'm proud of you man i wanted to just say right off the top everybody was giving you some grief last year and i always said my guy clint no matter what shows up and says hey this is how i did i always try and hold myself to the same standard i'm watching you have an absolutely stellar year so my man you're an inspiration right now i've been having a little bit of a tougher run this year still up on the year but not the year i wanted to have but seeing my man clint and i know that it's good guys rise it's the time we're doing right. the show together couldn't be a better time so let's get after it brother and uh excited to talk these fights with you glad to have you here as always my guy liam is uh liam's one of the few that i'm just always in the dms going what do you think what do you think about this one am i crazy so love talking fights with you glad we get to do a full card Super excited to see that George made the live show. There you go, buddy. So uh, those of you with the t-shirts and stuff, like I said, we'll take a couple t-shirt breaks throughout the show and give those away. I'll have to find you guys in one way or another on social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, and I'll get your info and we'll get you all set up that way. And Mushroom, Mushroom, calm down. You know I'm going to do the t-shirt. I haven't said it yet. George got one for being the first commenter. Just chill. Thank you for being here, though. Definitely appreciate you guys. And uh, A. Martinez with the Verna spot. That's right. That felt fucking good. All right. So, um, Liam, again, man, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know you're having a bit of a, a bumpy 2023, but happens to the best of us, right? Like, you're you're doing fine. The turnaround is coming. It's just a matter of lining up the right shots because that was – now, I, I had my own compounding issues last year, <laughs> but it was the worst when you would go through those little spurts where the mind was in the right place and you just made the wrong bets. Like you called five out of six fights correctly, but the one out of six you got wrong, that's the one you bet. I kind of feel like that's where you're sitting right now. And it's just, it's like brutal because they're tantalizing you with, I could have won with literally any one of my other options. You're going to turn that corner, man. I guarantee it. It's happening. It's coming. 
the ITD prop is the new wave. That's what I've learned. I keep hitting all these uh, method props, the exact method props, and getting them just that slight tweak off. So, uh, yeah, man, a lot of the right reads, but, uh, you know, it's like having the right tool by the wrong end. You know what I'm saying? That's Absolutely. that's where we've been at in 2023. So let's get it back. You're just holding the hammer upside down. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are talking about UFC Charlotte this week. Uh, we did lose already one fight because this is such a uh, such a card. They took they took Mackenzie Dern from us and moved her to the main event for next week. So buckle up, you guys think this one's bad? Next week is going to just be awful. Um, I was out of town visiting the parents this weekend, so you guys will have to forgive me. We do not have the sexy tiles this week we are dealing with the good old tapology standard so first fight of the evening is going to be jessica rose clark welcoming ufc newcomer tiana lisboa and uh, i'm sure i'm absolutely butchering that poor girl's name because frankly liam usually i try to you know run through those a couple times and make sure i'm saying i'm okay totally forgot to do that on this one so i'm sure i'm just wrecking her name weird fight to kick off the night so as always everybody our lines are brought to you by Superbook Sports. Make sure you go check them out for a safe, legal, regulated gambling option. We've got Lisboa making her debut as a plus 100 underdog. Minus 120, the favorite Jessica Rose Clark. That was a little wider uh, just a couple of days ago. Jessica Rose Clark was a decent little favorite here in this spot. She's 11 and 8, one of these mid-running UFC type of women. She's 2 and 4 in her last six. Seems like the, uh, the round one armbar is really her giant weakness here. And I've said this about Jessica Rose Clark before. She's physically strong. She's definitely a mauler. She can get on people and drag them to the floor, but she really has to be the hammer. She's not a very good nail. She's got a very limited skill set, but she is strong. And if she can out-wrestle you, that's really her path to victory. Liam, judo messes her up. Like, it, she gets in on that body lock around the hips, and if you've got a judo toss, she just goes for a ride every time. She cannot stop it. She hasn't figured it out. She's getting a bit older, so you got to think that may not be a problem she ever figures out how to fix. But that's really kind of my issue with Jessica Rose Clark is there's kind of an I win button to go ahead and get her off you. Now, her opponent, Lisboa, 5-2, and two, very low end on the experience side of things. She's 32 years old as well, so it's tough to call her a, a prospect because, like, this should be – you know, she's kind of already in her prime, right? Like, we're not going to see her round up much better than she is right now. It's all downhill from there, let me tell you, as a 35-year-old. Um, but she's supposedly a two-time Muay Thai world champion. No idea with how or what. <laughs> not sure who she beat in this world to become world champion. But she is a BJJ purple belt. She does have a fight in Muay Thai against Valentina Shevchenko, which, yay, congrats, but she lost it. So, yeah, whatever. Um, her UFC debut was against Norma Dumont, where she got body locked and ragdolled. And frankly, she got tired and gave up. Like, Norma Dumont looked like a million bucks in that fight. They were both making their debut. She gave up the rear naked choke. And since then, she's bought, she's fought absolutely nobody, Liam. The, the list, the list of her opponent's records. Most recently, one and four. That booked her UFC ticket was a win over a one and four girl. Oh and one, oh and oh, two and one, oh and oh, oh and oh. Like, Liam, she's fought one person, one singular person with a winning MMA record at two and one. And she lost that fight. <laughs> Like, she can't even beat somebody at 2-1. and one. So I don't know what to make of this girl. She's big. 
She's got good, strong clinch knees. That's the one thing I do kind of like about her is she's really mean in the clinch and she hammers hard to the body with those knees, but she bullies people up against the cage. If she can get on top of you, she does have heavy ground and pound. So I can see her having almost a layup opponent here in Jessica Rose Clark. Because if she can get her against the cage or get on top of her or simply just be the bigger woman, the physicality in women's MMA, we've seen that be enough. This is, seriously, like, if anybody, if you're putting your money on this fight, expect Uncle Wheezy to rock up at your door because this is, you deserve to be beaten with a bag of oranges if you're betting on this fight. But it's dog or pass, man. Like, I can't lay chalk on Jessica Rose Clark ever. And this girl's just going to be bigger than her. I got to go with the dog. Liam, What am I nuts here already to start the show? What, what are you doing on this fight, man? You know, this is an interesting one because uh, I just saw it change on Tapology earlier today. It was listed at 125 pounds. It's now listed at 135 pounds. I actually tweeted at the woman uh, herself because I was curious, you know, both these women last fought at 135. And if you remember, Jessica Rose Clark had notable issues making, uh, you know, the weight class in the UFC at 125, missed weight a couple of times, um, had the one time where she was medically not cleared because she passed out cutting weight. Um, so I was thinking to myself, if she's going back down to 125, I'm absolutely fading her 100%, uh, because mm -hmm. she had left for a medical issue. Now it looks like it's going to be a 135. So I think that makes it at least, um, a more winnable fight for Jessica Rose Clark, let's say. Uh, but I, to be honest with you, I feel like this is a matchup where a lot of people are going to expect, you know, to be buying low on Jessica Rose Clark. That's what I'm hearing a lot of, but you know, mm -hmm. I like to talk about, um, a lot of trends, you know, I think that. One of the things that doesn't get discussed a lot in UFC betting, whereas if you listen to any other um, sports shows, really, or like if you talk to any other people that bet sports, they pay attention sometimes to the numbers behind it all. And uh, number one, if you've been best betting on Jessica Rose Clark as a favorite, you've been losing money, right? Just two and three as a favorite in the UFC has been making you money. You look at the wins that she's gotten in the UFC. She beat Paige Van Zandt, no longer employed with the company. Sarah Alpard, no longer employed with the company. Uh, did any of these women have a positive record? I think um, Paige Van Zandt was five and four off the top of my head. Beck Rowlings is eight and nine as a professional MMA fighter. She beat her by split decision. You know, it's like, so what I'm supposed to say, because she has some low level wins in the UFC that they mean a lot more than a girl that was fighting in Muay Thai and other sports. You know, it's just, for me, it's just a different combat sports athlete Pereira, right? How could he beat Sean Strickland? Sean Strickland's got all these MMA fights. Well, I don't know. It's a fight at the end of the day. So it's just two yeah. people fighting. So I think that you have one girl who's probably more athletic, who hasn't had a surgically repaired knee in the same way that Jessica Rose Clark has. And I think she's looked like a shell of herself since then. You know, and I believe that's the two fights that she's had since she gets submitted in the first round, um, looking like a liability. I bet a lot on uh, both of those girls to win by sub and to win by sub in round one. It was like a pattern emerging, like, oh, she's not very good at defending the armbar. And then she goes against the best armbar girl in the UFC. Like the UFC was not doing her any favors. You know, I felt like they were cashing her out. And um, I think they might be cashing her out again. You've got a girl yeah. who fought Valentina Shevchenko, who fought Norma Dumont in her professional debut. And in my opinion, humbly, I thought she beat the ever-loving hell out of Norma Dumont for every second of the fight until Norma submitted her. Because Norma was like, I need to take this girl down or I'm getting beat up. She was getting need in the body. She's getting hit with every clean right hand that this girl threw. And it wasn't just power. Because we've seen girls come in with just power, no technique. She was faint the left hook. Now you get a big reaction, throw a shot right through the middle. Like she was just easily picking shots on her. Could she not do that to somebody like Jesse Jess? She's a Muay Thai world champion. Jesse Jess is like fairly 500 UFC fighter. Like, I don't know. 
I feel like if she can stay upright in this fight, she's going to look like a hindsight favorite. Meanwhile, she's a BJJ purple belt. We just saw this girl get submitted a number of times. We haven't seen her fight since 2022. I agree. She's fought nobody. Three and six, combined record of her opponents. Terrible. But then you look at the girl she lost to, Norma Dumont, real 145-pounder in the UFC, can beat real girls, right, and a BJJ brown belt. So actually has real skill. By the way, she had to take her down like three or four times in that fight because she popped back up to her feet. She had no experience there. You could tell it was in 2016. And she's popping back up to her feet and like ripping wrists apart. Norma Dumont looked like she's seen a ghost. And when she got that sub, the look of elation on her face, she's like, I can't believe I just won this fight. And the other yeah. girl's like, I can't believe I just lost this fight. Then she fights a girl who's now like five and one or six and one in pro MMA. She was two and one at the time. So it looks like, oh, a two and one girl loses to a two and one girl. How good really is she? I don't know. The other girl seems like she's pretty good. She just hasn't had a big opportunity for us to learn her name, but she's winning on the Brazilian regional scene. She's looking just fine. So as far as I'm concerned, she might look like a bad prospect, but I think underlying it all, she's a much better prospect. And the way she was getting dominated back in the day was getting taken down. Valentina Shevchenko took her down a ton in Muay Thai. And then um, obviously Norma took her down. A lot of her fights were at 145. She just recently moved to 35. I think she's going to be the bigger girl here. You got a girl from 25 to 35. You got a girl from 45 to 35, right? Difference in size. We just saw size was a big factor over the weekend. You know, the New York boys uh, taught him how to wrestle, right? An Olympic gold medal was no match for New York State. Uh, what's up, baby? But I'm just saying, and I, I bet on Henry Cejudo myself. So I'm saying, <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I can always root for a New York guy after the fact if they get it done. I mean, I never expected Aljo to end up with more takedowns than Henry. So for me, it just came down to, you know, sometimes physicality matters. Sometimes size matters. And you got one girl who's coming in a little bigger, a little younger, right? Not young, but a little younger, fresher in terms of the MMA miles, BJJ purple belt. For me, checked a lot of boxes, dog or pass situation. I completely agree with you, Clint. Did way too okay. much research on that fight. You know, and that's honestly, Liam, that's one of those things where this card, um, I'm going to set you guys up right from the jump. There's not a lot of betting opportunities, in my opinion, so far. So if Liam and I stumble across a couple of them over the course of the night, then great. That's going to give me something to cheer for. I am extremely tempted now after talking it through with you to bet on this girl at even money just because it does seem like the UFC is ready to sell on Jessica Rose Clark. It does seem like she's got a problem with the arm bar. It does seem like this is, you know, we've seen a couple of these fights. I mean, even just last week, we had a guy that was, what, 5-1 and one making his debut. They're trying to sell Parker Porter on this man who's a one-punch knockout guy. The UFC is just kind of grasping at straws here for these young prospects that might have some upside and trying to throw them right into the game. This seems like it might be another one where they're they're giving somebody a uh, with a narrative path to victory a, a pretty decent shot here in their first fight. I agree. We'll see what happens. A lot of people like uh, Jess, so get best of luck. A lot of people liked uh, Gilbert Burns too. Just saying. <laughs> Sorry, got to gloat a little bit on that one. I you guys sleeping had, on my I, boy. I also leaned with Bilal Muhammad there. I couldn't get to the window because of the injury concerns, but <sighs> cheers. That was a great bet. Liam, let me tell you, the the four hours or so before that fight kicked off took years off my life. Like, I'm texting everybody. I'm calling in every favor. I'm like, who can confirm if this ankle is real? Like, I'm trying to get as much information as possible. And I finally decided that, you know, just nut up. <laughs> 
you made the bet. It was a big one, and it, it wasn't like a small bet. I had tripled down. I had four units on Bilal money line, and then one unit between like the props and the you know the round props and stuff. That I'm like, I've got a five unit investment here on this guy. If I cash out and he does exactly what I know he can and wins this fight, I'm gonna shit myself. But I also don't want to lose five units because I ignored an injury we have pictures of. So I was and he confirmed it after the Mike Bone. He said that he did have an injured ankle, but I what I had said about him was that his attitude in the interviews was enough for me to still think he was gonna win because he was like. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to deal with a lot of stuff. I didn't have a training camp and all this. And they're going to say, how did he do that? How did he come in on five rounds with no training and no this? And he was doing this in Canada three weeks ago. How did he come in and do that? And I was like, well, I was like, gangster talk, gangster walk. That's, That's right. what he did. That's Bilal right. Muhammad. Remember the name. Liam, I'm convinced that Bilal Muhammad is Batman. He just needs prep time. <laughs> Opponent don't matter. He just needs prep time. <laughs> All right, everybody. So we went long on maybe the dirtiest fight on the entire card for you guys. We've got some other notable names rolling in. Thank you guys for watching the show. What's up, MMA Prop? What's up, Weezy, James, Mark, all you guys coming in here. Andy, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining the show. Hey, you know what? We wasted enough of your time for that very first fight. Let's reward you a little bit, everybody. Spam the chat. With T-shirt, I'm going to pick somebody right now. I'm going to cover the eyes, and I'm literally just going to point to the screen. So I'm going to be like scroll wheeling up and down on this thing so I have no idea whose name I'm picking. You're going to have a fair shake at it. Everybody just go ahead and hit the chat with T-shirt. Hit as much as you want because I got to – the chat's always a, a half second behind, so I got to let it catch up here because otherwise no one's going to get anything. All right, and boom. Oh my God, Nigel Lee. Of course, it's going to be Nigel. What's up, buddy? Thank you very much for watching the show. You have won one of the new t-shirts and I know exactly where to find my guy Money Bank Locks on Twitter. So we'll be hitting you up a little bit later on. Thank you guys for participating. Next up, we got Gabe Green taking on Brian Battle. And uh, man, I'm Liam, I'm struggling with this one just a little bit because Gabe Green has kind of low-key been my guy. Like, I love I love the guy's attitude. I love the way he grinds. I love that never-say-die attitude that he brings to the table. Constant pressure, cooks his opponents. Like, if you have just a slight chink in the gas tank armor, he will get you out of there. He's got a big left hand. He gets in front of your face, wings, hooks constantly. The issue for me, though, is he has been chinned a couple times in the UFC. Now, he's held up so far. He's held up so far after getting dropped multiple times. But his two losses that were by finish have been by knockout. Thankfully, he's taken you know a year off since his last fight, so you got to think that's probably good for the durability, good for the chin. Uh, but I do think his style kind of lines him up for that threat of the knockout against some power punchers. Brian Battle, 8-2, and two, ultimate fighter winner. Really tall, really lanky. He's got one of the biggest rib cages I've ever seen, Liam. Like when this guy cut down a weight class, I was like, that ain't gonna happen. Like, I just he's too big of a frame. I have no idea how he's gonna do it. He looks like a skeleton in there, but he gets the damn thing done somehow. And then he's just huge when he gets in the cage on fight night. Um, he does seem to be a finisher, one loss by submission, but he's coming off a rough outing against Fakhr Dinov where he got taken down, rinse and repeat seven times. Very active guard, though, attacking subs off of his back, never say die, always looking to finish the fight. He's going to be three inches taller. He'll have a four-inch reach advantage here in this spot. And as of right now, 
You've got Gabe Green, the minus 140 favorite. Brian Battle is the plus 120 underdog. And I think I'm actually leaning with Brian Battle this early in the week here, Liam. It's kind of that spot where you've got the killer be killed guy, and he just doesn't ever give up. And Gabe Green, like I said, he's been finished before. Brian Battle looks like he's still evolving as a fighter. I think we kind of know who Gabe Green is at this point. And the range control of Brian Battle, I think, is going to cause a problem for Gabe Green. He'll be able to use that long, stiff jab of his, set up the you know knees inside when he comes in for takedowns, things of that nature. And I don't know that Brian Battle's the guy that's going to death gas to the point where Gabe Green's going to be able to get him out of there. So I'm kind of thinking I might like the dog here in the second fight of the night. What about you, Liam? Clint, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, you know, just looking at this, uh, again, I, I want to make one thing clear off the rip, uh, which is just that <laughs> normally, and you know me, I'm a guy that is very uh, obsessive about my process and I go through and I study this stuff at right, right up until fight time often. So there's going to be more things that I learned over the course of the week, but just this is, these are a lot of my initial impressions of these fights. And just, I'm surprised to hear that Brian battle was an underdog here. Um, you know, when I think about this matchup conceptually, he's the bigger guy with a, a bigger frame. I feel like he was destined to be undervalued coming off the Fakhradinov fight. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like Fakhradinov was just underrated going into that fight. I thought that Fakhradinov was going to win there cleanly. I remember uh, predicting as much. So it's like, for me, Fakhradinov maybe just, People don't know how good that guy is, and he's he's really good. He's a hammer, you know, um, yeah. pretty unknown guy, easily getting takedowns, but he's very strong, very technical. It's just a really tough fight, and Brian didn't look like he particularly gassed there either. He really worked hard for the whole 15. He just was being outworked by a better fighter, you know? So tough spot, tough matchup, really hard to look good there. Uh, Gabe Green's had a lot of fights where it was fun, stand up, on the feet, you know, back and forth, engaged in the battle. But you look uh, regionally, he was knocked out by Jalen Turner. Um, that, that Actually, that happened in Bellator. So I guess that's a, you know, a major organization <laughs> fight. But like it was like a prelim or whatever. Both guys yeah. relatively inexperienced there. Uh, but I remember it stood out to me on Jalen Turner's um, resume because he's a, a 155-pounder, as people know. But he's got that lengthy frame, right? And just – Gabe Green, he's a guy that gets hit in almost all of his fights. He absorbs a lot of shots. And especially if you got a lot of length, harder for him to hit back. We've seen guys like Ian Gary take advantage of that. People uh, talked about it in the chat. But Brian Battle, you know, his new nickname that he he went with is the Butcher. Uh, and that's what he's trying to do, uh, go out there and butcher people with his shots. Throws big body kicks, sets up the head kick upstairs. He literally made a statue of Takoshi Sato. Uh, so, oh. you know, this guy, Brian Battle, he definitely has power. Uh, he's fought a pretty low level of competition, I would say, relative. Um, but I think that's why you're getting the price on a guy who's got a big reach advantage, who's a little bit taller, uh, and who, from all uh, personal accounts I've heard, has elite cardio in the gym, um, and whose Brazilian jiu-jitsu has improved leaps and bounds over recent years. I feel like he could potentially uh, bring that to bear in this fight because of his size and his length. Um, so, you know, I want to see what version of Brian Battle that we get during fight week, how motivated he is. Does that, um, you know, fight take away from his confidence? If not, I feel like uh, Brian Battle is a live underdog, certainly in this fight. Okay. We're linking up again here early on this one, Liam. You love to see it. All right. I think you're right about that buy low opportunity because Gabe Green has done well for a lot of people and made a lot of people money, myself included. So kind of hate to, to turn on the guy here, but it's about uh, securing the bag, right? So... 
Let's see here. Oh, man, my guy James saying, uh, Yotes winning the lottery, if you guys don't know. Obviously, big Coyotes fan here. And the uh, NHL draft lottery. If I'm looking over off this way, I do, I'm do. i not actually staring at my boy Liam. I'm checking the draft lottery over here because today's lotto day for the NHL, and uh, we could use some help on the team if you guys didn't know we suck. <laughs> All right. Next fight, everybody. We've got Ji-Yoon and Kim taking on Mandy Bohm. And what a treat this will be. Liam, how is Ji-Yoon Kim still in the UFC? I've got a soft spot for the girl. I told the story last time she fought. I love Ji-Yoon Kim. I really thought she was going to be just so much better than she is. She's got decent speed, decent hands. Looked like she had a lot of power for the women's division here. And I actually picked her by knockout the one time she did knock somebody out. And that cost me you know, two or three more fights in a row. Because I thought, yes, she's finally realizing the talent. She's finally blooming to fruition. I'm going to make so much money on ji Kim. And no. No, she's she's gotten her ass whooped ever since. So it's unfortunate she uh, you know, went up to 135. That experiment didn't go well. She's dropping back down uh, to 125. And man, I just don't quite know what to make of her. Like lots of boxing, uses a decent front kick for range. She fights long, but she's slow on the reload. She does have 71% takedown defense, but that didn't hold up well at 135. She will have a one-inch reach advantage here in this spot. And Mandy Bohm is just another, yeah, and I know, Koala Analytics saying that she got robbed in her last fight. And there, there's an argument that perhaps she won that last fight, but, you know, it still doesn't look good on the resume to be on a four-fight losing streak. Um, but Mandy Bohm, 0-2 in the UFC, hasn't fought in almost a year. She's 33 years old. Another one of these fighters that, in my mind, she's a prospect, but at 33, how much of a prospect really is she? She is training at Extreme Couture, which I love. Uh, one of my favorite gyms. I think they could do a lot of good work with somebody who's big and physical the way she is. She's got a hard jab, Liam, like a really long, really tough jab. She's got obvious power at this weight class. You know, I'm not sure if she had an adrenaline dump really bad in like her first fight or if she's just got a bad gas tank. She's only fought twice in the UFC, so I'm still kind of struggling to figure that out. Those are her only two losses were the back-to-back -back fights here on the UFC, and she fought okay competition. I mean, I, I believe I bet Leonardo the night that she uh, fought Mandy Bone because I knew she was just going to put that relentless pace on her, force her to grapple, make her tired. And then the Lipsky fight, I mean, she was exhausted and Five minutes like first round she's going back to her corner with her mouth hanging open if extreme couture is able to patch up that gas tank you know geom kim is going to give her the striking battle that she's looking for and i think her cardio will hold much better in that circumstance and how for the love of god liam is geom kim minus 215 i mean just in any world how is geom kim minus 215 evan you might be right bone might just be bad but is she plus 200 to Jiyun Kim bad? I'm not entirely sure that she is. For the third fight running, Liam, I hate this one. I am tempted to lose my hard-earned money on Mandy Baum. Uh, what are you doing here, man? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have not had much success, as you can imagine, betting either one of these women. Um, I did bet Jiyun Kim pretty bigly in her last fight. I thought it was a clear spot for her. I thought she probably deserved to win the fight. Um, but again, you know, 
it just made me regret ever getting involved in the fight uh, because the margins are so thin. You know, yeah. not a ton of finishing equity on either side, all things considered. Um, when I watch Mandy Bohm, I feel like she's trying to fight pretty and it's extremely ineffective. And so I can't bet on her as a result. I feel like she has not looked effective at all in the UFC. Um, when I heard she was working with Extreme Couture before her last fight, I thought that that was big for her. Uh, I thought Victoria Leonardo, very exploitable opponent. And yeah, I just, I didn't see enough improvement there um, for me to want to bet on either one of these women at all. I will be passing on this fight. I might not even look into this fight very much deeper than what I just gave you right there. Um, you know, they got to kind of show me something, you know, somebody win by knockout and then maybe I'll study for next time. It's just, it's been, it's been putrid. It's been putrid, Clint. Uh, horrible to watch as well. It's really tough. And running the tape to study for it is, is just torture for people like us. Cause you, you got to go back and rewatch this shit. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, and you have to think of the money you lost on this ridiculous nonsense that you you're like, why did I invest any time of time, effort, energy in my life in this? <laughs> I was literally just going to say that like, it's worse when the money's involved. And like I said, man, I cashed that one bet on Ji and Kim very early. I think that was when I had just started the podcast. Boy, I was feeling myself. This is my girl. And I've lost money like three times on her since. And the last one burned just a little bit. So no, I'm right there with you. Fireball and popcorn. Uh, Victor with a huge call here saying Bohm's going to be a future champ. She better get hustling here at 33 years old and show us something. If that's true, my friend. Uh, but I am tempted. <laughs> We're going to need a UFC win before a title. One win before <laughs> yeah. a title. Luckily, it's not too steep of a path to the title in that division. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see, man. At plus money, that's the way I'm looking, unfortunately, because it's probably going to be a bad, low-level fight. Shout out to my guy, Mike. Clint, I owe you for saving me a horrible night. And Chukwu Sub at 16 to 1, round 2, 38 to 1. Mike, you are awesome, my guy. I'm so happy you won money right there. I didn't have the balls to play the round two and three. I really should have. You know, me and my guy, uh, Dan Tom, I went on his podcast and we were both syncing up on that one and talked back and forth. He played the rounds two and three. And it, Liam, you are a member of the Action Network Prop Squad. I'm really irritated because I played the Bilal KO since my guy Dan had the rounds two and three on the Kennedy fight. I wasn't going to double down on Kennedy by sub when somebody else in the squad already had a prop for that fight. So I missed on my prop squad pick uh, because I didn't want to double up on it, but I should have done like Mike did and just went ahead and done both round two and three subs. But happy you made money there, my guy. Um, all right, everybody, real quick. How about another shirt? How about another T-shirt? Everyone get in the chat. Start slamming that T-shirt. I'm actually, I'm going to use this opportunity to look to my left and see what's going on with the draft. Nothing yet. They're just talking. <laughs> Clint, All can right. I tell you something funny? Frivola, ITD, and Verna Sub were the two that I discussed with Dan to not clash with anybody oh, else. And then no. I went with Verna Sub. Gross. Oh, Gross. No. She literally dominated every second of the fight and didn't submit her. I was like, come on, Verna. <laughs> Doze! Doze, you win a t-shirt. No, Liam, I feel the pain with you there, man. That is the absolute... You've seen the DMs, man. I've done that with you where I'm like, these are the three I'm thinking. And like, I'll go like two and, you know, two out of three and bet the one that didn't hit or something. Of course. All right, Murphy's Doze. Law, we call that. <laughs> I know, right? Doze, find me on Twitter or Instagram, whatever you might have. You have won a t-shirt, my friend. Thank you very much for hanging out on the show. All right, next up, folks, my first bet of the evening, Natan Levy taking on Pete Rodriguez. We are running this one 
back. We talked about it just a couple weeks ago, so we don't need to spend too much time on the breakdown. I'll let Liam talk more than me since you guys have already heard my opinion on it. Uh, Nathan Levy, 8-1. and one. I'm simply not impressed. I'm going full GSP on Nathan Levy. Um, he gasses out badly in most of his fights, hangs on for dear life in round three. Like I think anybody that's got some half-decent grappling defense and power is going to be a problem for Nathan Levy. And oh my God, look, they packaged a 170-pounder with vicious knockout power, and they're moving him down to the weight class for me. I like Pete Rodriguez. He's training over at the MMA Lab, which is an excellent gym. We haven't seen his grappling, but at that gym, you know he's got to be either A, working on it, or it's better than you expect because nobody comes out of the lab with poor grappling. He's 26 years old. He's dropping down to what should be his natural 155-pound weight class. I got to take the shot, Liam. I got to take the shot. I already locked it in. He is currently sitting at, uh, if I can find him here, plus 215, and I believe I got plus 230. Plus 240. I'm on plus 240. Pete Rod, or uh, yeah, Daniel Rodriguez. Jeez, I keep messing up this guy's name. Is it Pete or is it Daniel? They've got him listed as Daniel. Why is he Daniel? Whatever. Rodriguez. They're listing D Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, who's fighting uh, later on oh, in the evening, I'm sure. That makes sense. Let me go back and double check because I got, I know I got plus 240, but it looks like they don't have this one up on Superbook. Sorry for the confusion, everybody. So I'm going to have to find a different site to give you guys a line here for Pete Rodriguez because there are two Rodriguez's on this card, and that is just confusing when they do that to me. All right, he's plus 210, actually. I'm using BetMGM for this one um, just as a benchmark here so it's nice to see i did go ahead and beat another little bit of a line move there um i've only got one unit on him obviously it's not a super confident play um i'm gonna be curious to see what the ko prop comes out at because i do think that's probably even more the way to go uh but i might do another one of those round two round three type of situations because i'm not sure he'll catch levy early i think he's gonna have to wait for him to slow down just to, just a smidge before he manages to land, but you never know. Dropping down to 155, that 170 power could translate and translate really well. So we'll see. Uh, just a small shot from me, Liam. What are you doing on this one? Yeah, I think uh, I understand where you're coming from here. I haven't gotten involved myself, but uh, looking at Pete Rodriguez, you know, uh, I always try and go back and look at somebody's Instagram because normally, you, you know how BJJ people are. You get a belt, you know, you want to take a picture, you know, you want to celebrate. Hey, look at Absolutely. this. I got a new shiny belt. Look at, look at the accomplishment because you put in a lot of years of work, right, in silence, and it's nice to get acknowledged. So normally if somebody's got a BJJ belt, you could find it by searching through. But what I did find was a picture of him from his childhood um, with a jiu-jitsu master. So as far as I could tell, he's definitely had some experience grappling um, as a youngster, seems like he likes to go out there and throw hands though. Cause you watch any of his fights, um, regionally he's going out there trying to get the knockout in the first round. Doesn't have a lot of extended fight tape. Um, and then, you know, he fought JDM, which was basically the UFC just throwing him out there to get mercy killed, you know, uh, with all due respect, it was yeah, on short never notice. I think, yeah. And he was trying to throw back. He was trying to counter, but JDM is just longer than him. And he hits so hard that you know, the damage added up very quick there. So don't love to see that, uh, but do like to see him moving down. You know, I kind of felt with, again, with due respect, he had a little bit of weight to lose there at 170. You know, he kind of looked like a guy who was maybe a Kelvin Gaslam at 185, right? Just looked like a guy who had a little bit to lose. So, oh, shout out to Propaholic. I did not see that, um, but 
again, does look like a guy who's had grappling experience since his youth um, on and off, it would appear. So, because uh, otherwise he wouldn't just be a purple belt by now. But otherwise, um, you know, I think Pete Rodriguez has some upside here. Want to see what he looks like at weigh-ins though, because it's not like 55 to 45 or something like that. It's a 15 pound drop. Some guys that could be really too much for them. It could be substantial. So uh, I want to just see how he adjusts to the cut. But otherwise, I mean, I think makes sense as an underdog shot here. Uh, so a lot of a lot of barking dogs, we think, uh, early on in this fight card. And uh, I think Natan Levy could have a huge advantage here on the ground. He is a BJJ black belt, uh, if mm -hmm. memory serves. However, you know, his wrestling, it's it's good, it's functional, but doesn't always get him where he wants to be in time to get the sub before he gasses out. So I think that that's something to consider here. He has fought a pretty low level of competition in the UFC. Same for Pete Rodriguez, but one guy's a big plus money underdog. The other one, you got to lay substantial chalk. So I think that's a, a valid point as well. Okay. Hey, glad we're lining up there again. You know, that's why I love betting the underdogs, man, is last year was brutal because absolutely none of them came through. Uh, but this year, it's nice to hear that they are barking. And I think the favorites got a little bit on track at the big pay-per-view card as to be expected. A couple dogs came through still, but um, I don't want to rapid fire dogs at this point because I, the old, you know, Johnny, the Greek folks regression, like it's coming. The favorites are going to start getting theirs here sooner than later. So I uh, don't want to rapid fire on the dogs quite as much, but I just feel like this line is too wide, especially with the weight difference. If he's dropping down and he's got that size and power advantage, I think it'll make a difference at 155. But like you mentioned, he's got to be able to make the cut. Um, I missed the comment. Somebody earlier asked, why the first fight got canceled. And here's the thing. You guys know I'm going to give you all the information I possibly can find, and you guys are big boys and girls. Choose to do with your money what you will. If you want to roll with me, we're swinging from the rafters, but make bets intelligently with everything on the table. So I'm not going to like not tell you guys something if I know it. Tapology has it listed as an illness. So he pulled from the fight. They marked it as an illness. My guy James Lynch, however said from what he understands, it was weight cut issues. So there is potential that he was struggling to get down to 155, and they called it an illness, and that's why they pulled it. Now, it is rebooked at 155. So for me, I'm hoping it was just like a first effort gone wrong type of situation, and that's why right now it's just a one-unit play. We'll see as it gets closer to fight time if he looks healthy on the scale, if he can, you know, has time to rehydrate, if he looks big at the face-offs and he actually made it, or God forbid, if he's got a two-pound weight advantage and he looks like he cut, you know, stopped the cut early, and I can put that in my back pocket, maybe I put a little bit more on. But I'm definitely going to start at the one-unit play. The line moved my way, so I'm happy to get in already at least a little bit, and we'll kind of take it from there for the rest of the week. All right, all right. Next fight on the docket. I forgot to get it set up. I was too excited to talk about my bet. Um, we've got Carlos Ulberg taking on Ihor Porteria, the <laughs> Brazil's most wanted right here. Uh, they sacrificed, Liam. They straight up sacrificed a legend of the MMA game to Ihor in front of his hometown crowd. You know, Shout out to Diego Sanchez, because I think he's the only legend that comes to mind that survived that treatment. This seems to be the UFC's MO. These guys have their like well-known retirement fights and they're like, oh, you're hanging it up. Great. Let's take this kid that's supposed to be top five and you can fight him on your way out the door. Like they just keep doing that to these poor aging veterans. And Shogun died that night, Liam. It was not pretty. I'm still not entirely sure 
what to make of Ihor here. And I'm hoping that you can talk some sense here into me because honestly, man, he was my first lean here. Now, maybe it's just because I'm not entirely sold on the idea of Carlos Olberg yet. I can't get his UFC debut where he gassed himself out and died out of my head. But the guy is seven and one. So like, I've got to acknowledge he's a solid kickboxer. Training at CKB, looks like he's getting better, showed great fight IQ against Negamarianu last fight, really controlled the distance, really controlled the range, found the kill shot. He's obviously got power. Maybe I'm just mad because my wife thinks he's hotter than me. Can't really say I blame her, though. Olberg will have a two-inch reach advantage here in this spot. Ihor has so much experience, but he does have that... <sighs> That, you know, UFC fraud sent kind of around him here at 19 and 3. Plays with his hands low, so he's always kind of there to get hit. But he's got that weird movement. He's going to hit people from weird angles. He's got fast hands. And I know Negamarianu ended up catching him. These guys do have that common opponent here in Nikolai Negamarianu. But this guy made Negamarianu grapple. Like, he, he hit him with one, two, three real clean shots early in their fight, and Negu went, uh-uh, and <laughs> clinched him up against the fence and immediately started working to get him on the ground that way instead. I worry about the defense for Ihor. That's really kind of the only big deal for me. If he patches up that defense just, just a smidge, I actually think he's kind of live in this fight. But Carlos Ulberg's ability to counter and that big power that he's got I kind of can't argue that I really do think Olberg's going to knock Ihor out, but I think it's getting out of control. Minus 400 on Carlos Olberg right now, plus 330 on Ihor. And it's one of those sickening spots where you're going, I'm picking that guy, but what's the sell point? Because at a certain point, the number is too great and you have to buy the other way. Right now it's a pass. I need to hear your thoughts, Liam. What are you doing on this one, man? You know... I tend to be a person and we all have different skills, right? Um, one of the things I haven't been doing enough of this year, one of the things I'm very good at, but I just have been, you know, having a little bit of a tougher year. So I haven't been leaning into it is betting underdogs, you know, and even last week I should have just had for Bola money line uh, and Yan Shanan money line. Some of these things that I had as reads earlier in the week that I didn't end up uh, pulling the trigger on. But when you are trying to identify underdogs, sometimes you're going to swing and miss. But again, this is a, a fight where I just look at how the community is reacting to it. And it seems like there is a little bit of group think forming around. This is going to be an easy Oberg knockout. I'm old enough to remember when he went to decision with Fabio Charant. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, has any, I, I don't even know if anybody else has. So just like Fabio Charant, local MMA fighter uh, working on his skills, working on his craft. Certainly you wouldn't say like an emerging contender at 205 pounds was able to hang in there. Obviously that was after he gassed out. So he wanted to prove to himself, Hey, I can go, uh, you know, go figure it out here and, and do it for the full 15. Okay, great. He did that. He fought at a great pace. There was no resistance there. You know, he basically just had a guy who was showing up, trying not to get hurt too bad. He was content to throw with him. Then you have a couple other fights where you knock out guys that are very hittable uh, because he had big power. But then I look and I, I see a guy who's six and zero to the submission and who's got a bunch more MMA fights and, you know, he beat a legend. Why would they put him in there with a UFC legend? Give Why him some exposure. Guy, give him. Why this yeah, guy? Well, I mean, probably just to give him some exposure, give him a win, get him back on track after he got finished there. Um, so I don't know exactly how great his cardio is going to be um, either. His cardio doesn't look great. That's my biggest concern on him. But overall, I just I'm not sure if Olberg 
has figured out his pacing or if he goes for a finish and then could gas himself out going for a finish again, you know, um, he was teeing off on Kennedy, thought he had it all figured out. And then Kennedy stormed back on him. That wasn't very technical. It's just light heavyweight, you know, durability being a factor. And I'm not sure uh, what to make of this one, but it does seem just a touch wide and it does seem like everybody's on the one side. Um, but it's not, you know, minus a thousand, right. It's a little bit closer than that. And I, I wonder who's on the other side. Uh, who's, who's betting, who's clicking that Poteria side right now. So uh, I'm going to wait and see, I got to do more research on this one, but my gut instinct is that, um, it will be a little bit of a live underdog situation, way more experience guy who's got submission wins under his belt. Um, I'm not totally sold on the Oldberg side either. I feel like he's fought pretty soft competition. Okay, Liam, I'm, I'm, I'm glad somebody at least thinks the same way I do here because I think I think I always live in this spot, man. I really do. We'll see where this number goes. We'll see where the props come out. Um, it's more that I'm just you know not sold on Olberg, but this guy definitely has some areas where I think he can compete in this spot. And one of the big things is, you know, styles matter in fights, obviously, right? Negamarianu has one direction, and that's forward. That works great for somebody like Olberg who wants to just backpedal and hit you with that left hook this guy doesn't do that like you know what i mean he keeps his hands the low and he, in and he pulls out and he he definitely is going to make you work and you're gonna have to find that opening to hit him he's not just gonna present it to you so there could be a bit more of a chess match on the feet here and if he decides to grapple i, I definitely think that that changes things a little bit so we'll find out i like that you're kind of agreeing with me early on though man uh, got to shout out my guy, Mike here. Thank you so much for the $10 donation. I appreciate it. That'll go to keeping the lights on here at pub sports radio, keeping all the free content rolling to you guys. Make sure you hit the like button. In fact, you know, I should check, I should check what the likes are at on the stream right now, because you know, I feel like we're, we're doing a good show here. I got a good guest giveaways 52. We got 52 likes and 173. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little disappointed. You guys come on, show me some love here. And uh, Dawes, one of our t-shirt winners, there are psychos out there on Twitter. So yes, I do have my DMs closed because I can't deal with the idiots on Twitter that would want to send me messages constantly. If you wouldn't mind just tweeting at me, or if you look at my pinned tweet, that's the one that advertises this podcast, reply to that pinned tweet. I'll be able to find you after the show's over. Okay. Not yet, Mushroom. Be patient. <laughs> He's already pumping out the t-shirt there. Love the support, though. Thank you, guys. Next up, we got Cody Stamen taking on Douglas Silva de Andrade. And I was wondering if we were ever going to see Douglas Silva again. He's getting up there, Liam. He's one of my ageless Brazilians. The man is 37 years old and just keeps on doing the damn thing. Cody Stamen is a little bit younger here in this spot. He's just a grinder. You know, he did get that one awesome highlight reel finish over an aging veteran, but now we're right back to people that he's just going to have to lean on and grind if he wants the win. Um, he, You know what? I found the wrong note here. I was about to tell you he was 16 and 11, but that's Chase Sherman. We'll get there. He's 21, 5, and 1, and Cody Stamen just... Man, Liam, he always seems like he's the bridesmaid, but never the bride. You know what I mean? He hits that he hits that ceiling where he just can't quite push past. But if you're somebody who is not in the contender circle, if you're also on the outside looking in, he usually tends to do pretty well beating those people. Good, solid striking, stays on the outside, kind of a point striker. Like I mentioned, not a whole lot of power. Lots of muscles, but not a whole lot of power. Very strong grappling, offensive grinder. 
just a guy you can kind of bank on. Now, Douglas Silva, 28 and 5, he's almost the exact opposite. He's got 20 wins by knockout. This guy is a finisher. He's a kill or be killed type of fighter. Crazy explosive. He's actually got some good, strong wrestling himself. Slick BJJ wins when he wants to go there. He likes his spinning back fist. This guy's a finisher. And Douglas Silva has got the uh, the gorilla arms thing going on, right? He's going to have a four-inch reach advantage here in this spot, and that's going to make it dangerous for Cody Stamen on entries. Uh, you know, it's a close fight. This is a, a very closely lined fight. Cody Stamen opened up, I think, minus 120. He's minus 155 now. So everybody seems to be lining up on that side. Douglas Silva is plus 135. And, man, I, I that was one of my big mistakes last year, Liam, is I went back to the well too many times with aging fighters. These older fighters that are on their way out, they're one or two fights away from getting cut. I went back to them time and time again, and that was part of that 70-unit L that I took as I kept picking the aged veteran versus the youth. And I'm kind of tempted to do so here. I'm probably going to pass on this fight because that was a mistake I made last year, and I'm purposefully trying to patch that hole in my game. But I like the finishing upside, I think, of Douglas Silva de Andrade. I think he can survive in the grappling with Cody. And what we're seeing these days is the officials do not favor the control time. So if these guys are striking and Cody's point striking, but then Douglas lands a bomb that sends Cody for the legs, you know, he dives in on a panic takedown and Douglas is going to steal the round. The judges are going to favor what he's doing over what Cody Stamen tends to do. So I'm really thinking we've got, unfortunately, another live, not unfortunately, but another live dog situation here. And, uh, I wouldn't mind looking at the sub prop. You know, it wasn't too long ago Cody Stamen left his neck hanging out there on a double leg and got tapped out. So I kind of like the finishing upside of uh, Andrade. No bet for me at this point, just a lean. Um, what do you think on this one, Liam? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to be waiting for the props to be released on U.S. Domestics for a couple of the things um, that I'm looking at on this fight. But in terms of just um, from a – Breakdown perspective, I feel like Cody Stamen may be a little bit underrated uh, for his boxing. I do think his boxing is pretty crisp on the feet. Uh, it's gotten a lot better. But when you mix in other strikes, when you start bringing in the kicks, when you start bringing in a lot of the other um, attacks, I feel like that's where it mixes up for him a little bit. He's got to start going to his wrestling. He's got to turn to his grappling almost instinctually. And we've seen that cost him against the likes of Saeed Nurmagomedov, locked him in uh, the ninja choke right away, right? You know, uh, kind of predictable reactions, I felt like. He was just drilling him with kicks to the body. So Stamen's a good fighter. He's got very good skills, but I do think he's a little bit less dangerous than somebody like Douglas. I just question where Douglas's durability is going to be at as he gets older. You know, we know that um, from the book uh, Fightnomics, Round 38 is where the rate at which people will get knocked out just skyrockets um, in the historical data set. So I think that's important to note. He's only 37 here, but something to watch out for, especially in this younger division. I think that's something to take note of. Cody Stamen, he's not a spring chicken, but he's a little bit younger. Uh, somebody was talking about the supplements, maybe the performance enhancers, potentially. Nobody sue me. Uh, we're just talking here amongst friends. But I think both these guys could be on the sauce, you know, with all, all love and respect. Oh. I mean, just look at the arms on Cody Stamen. He looks like he's a science experiment. So uh, I, I wish them he both very well. They, they, it's like a bodybuilder fight um, between those two guys. They're both Jack beyond belief, especially for 35ers. But I think there's certainly some upside with plus money here uh, on a guy who swings for the fences, who's competent in every position. His strength, the schedule has been extremely high and he's performed ably all this time. You know, I've never seen a huge drop off from him. I never saw a fight where I was like, man, Douglas sucks now. You know, he doesn't look like himself. He's still out there swanging and banging. And unless you really have the size, the leverage, everything to put on him, 
he's a handful for everybody still. He's a crafty old vet. So uh, I think it's a great fight. I think it's well-matched. Um, and I think it's going to be competitive. All right. All right. I'm seeing very much the same. And man, it's, just, it's one of those spots where like, I want the dog at plus 135, but like, is it going to, it's got that sinking sensation of it's just going to be a split for Cody. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll take the dog and I'm like, I've got my value. He'll get this close to killing him. And then the judges will, you know, go 29, 28 split decision for, for Cody. And I'll just be pissed off at my bet. So we'll, we'll see what I get to on this one. Shout out to ice Viking. Cause if this is true, that's actually really cool. He says, apparently De Silva was busy holding pads on Creed three. I still need to see Creed 3. The first two Creeds have been absolutely awesome. Uh, Rocky movies got me into martial arts in general. I, that was my first uh, love was watching the boxing movies Rocky back in the day. So that's pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. And uh, I see my hockey people in here. Chicago apparently won the uh, draft. They get the first pick. Man, fuck those guys. <laughs> they've already they've already had a generational talent player. Do they really need to get another You're one? You're damn right, fuck those guys. That's We're back right. next year. No quit in New York, oh, all right? Liam. I, I know. So we got sent packing, Glenn. It hurt. It hurt. I, oh, I had so many futures on the Rangers. I'm so upset they shit the bet on me. <laughs> all right it's okay i'll survive next up everybody i gotta take my usual break here let's pay some bills make sure you check out pubsportsradio.com we've got the shop where you can find the diehard stimulus shirt and the og logo if you guys want to grab those but of course the free weekly contests if you guys want to jump in these it's a hundred dollar prize for first place all you've got to do is pick the round method and winning fighter and do it better than the pub sports radio personalities you beat us you win 100 bucks it's that simple spectation sports is another one of my sponsors and they do regional scene mma aries x fc is freaking awesome um if you guys sign up they do all kinds of different shows uh they, they they're trying to put all the regional shows under one banner they're regionable uh regional cable <laughs> is kind of what they're going for uh promo code use die hard mma if you want to go ahead and get 25 percent off make sure you check out prediction strike i do a, a show for them called the fight exchange where we go over investing on these fighters it's a literal stock market for athletes, it's not just UFC fighters, obviously. You've got all the other sports on there. But if you guys deposit, uh, use promo code FE to let them know I sent you. Someone like Ian Gary, where it's like a buck ninety-eight per share, where the UFC is pushing them, that stock is probably going to rise. Those are the kind of spots you want to look out for. And finally, uh, the Sharp app. They've got an awesome kick in Discord. Got free plays, models, DFS. Make sure you check all of them out and all their good stuff. I will link these for you as well. And the last but not least, <laughs> the shop. Make sure you check out uh, my diehard MMA pod merch, spreadshop.com. And it's time, folks. It's time. Let's do another t-shirt giveaway, and then we'll get into the back half of this card. Get in there. Start start pounding it. Start. Go. Give me t-shirts in the chat if you want to win a t-shirt. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Sorry, Liam. Got to let him get ahead. <laughs> Make it make it fair for everybody. And bang. David Hartman. David Hartman wins a t-shirt. Thank you, my friend. Jump in. Find me on social media, Twitter. Reply to the pin tweet, whatever. Give me the deets, and you have earned yourself a t-shirt. Thank you very much, my friend. Okay. Let's move this bad boy right along. We have got yet another rebooked fight, Liam, my guy. And I got to get that damn thing to go away. There it goes. All right. Next up, Carl Williams taking on Chase Sherman. 
And Liam, my crazy ass, actually bet on Chase Sherman the first time this fight was booked. Um, I didn't like the short notice nature of it because, frankly, Carl William is just, he's just untested. He's not, I don't know what we're getting in Carl Williams yet, right? He's a, he's a heavyweight who can grapple and that's fantastic. He's got cardio to go 15 minutes. That's fantastic. But I still don't know enough about him at eight and one to be sure that he on short notice should have been a five to one favorite over Chase Sherman. So I took the plunge. They backed this fight up two, three weeks, different story. Now he's got time to train. Now he's got time to prepare. Now he's got time to tape study. Those are all the kinds of things that really have me going, okay, well, now I believe that the guy with the higher ceiling, the guy with the good game plan, the guy with the grappling upside, they make more sense to me now, now that he's got time to prep for his opponent. Bless you. <laughs> and uh, yes, David, I am on Instagram. You can contact me on there rather than Twitter. Um, so in this case, and <laughs> Joey's saying you just get to pick every underdog. No, Joey, no, no, I'm not. And again, uh, if I'm picking versus betting, Folks, if I'm betting, I'm confident enough to put my money where my mouth is, or at least I think I know what I'm talking about. If it's just a pick, then God love you do with that information what you will, because I, I will pick every single fight on this card. Doesn't mean I'm going to be right, and it definitely doesn't mean I'm going to be confident about it. I think I have to side with the favorite here, Liam. I think I have to go ahead and just give up and go, okay, fine. Williams probably is the better fighter. Williams probably is the guy with the higher ceiling. Williams probably is the guy the UFC wants to win here in this spot. And I will concede. Uh, I think Williams can get the takedowns on Chase Sherman. Sherman did do a good job of, you know, popping back up to his feet when he gets taken down. He's got decent cardio. But Carl Williams also is a guy that can, you know, land some damage on you in those takedowns. He's not necessarily just going to sit on you. And we've seen Chase Sherman fold to that kind of pressure before. So, I'll pick Carl Williams, begrudgingly so. I don't like it. I'm not trusting him. I'm not parlaying him. Hey, last week I parlayed Chaos Williams and Movsar Evloev. Not one, but both of them almost blew my parlay. So there's no chalk going on here for this one for me, Liam. Uh, what do you think about this fight, man? I know my boy Diego Lopes. I could not believe I did not cash that plus 660. Uh, I thought that we had that one uh, coming into the scorecards. I was like, man, is there a chance? Uh, and I also had the ends by sub there at plus 360. He attempted about 500 million of them. So I really can't be mad at the guy. Uh, but overall, man, as regards this fight, Carl Williams, I think, is clearly the side here. Um, just from an upside perspective, uh, Chase Sherman, he's had a lot of UFC experience, but he was supposed to be cut from the UFC. And then he got brought back as the biggest underdog in the history of the company uh, to fight Alexander Romanov, who's gotten fraud checked twice since for people that haven't been paying attention. Uh, and I bet on those, by the way. Uh, but anyways, uh, for the haters that were in the chat before. But in all, in all uh, accounts, right, Carl Williams is just a really bad stylistic matchup for somebody like Chase Sherman. He goes for takedowns all the time. He's really consistent with staying on top. He does not care if the fight's boring. He'll just lay on you. And he's heavy. He's got a good top presence. I thought that Jimmy Lawson was going to give him a hard time because I was like, man, he's doing this to a bunch of heavyweights and heavyweights aren't very high skill overall, but you know, the rubber is going to meet the road here when you go against a former Penn state wrestler, when you go against the Tom DeBloss purple belt. Uh, no, he absolutely ran through him. Like he was no big deal. Made Jimmy Lawson look like he wanted to quit in the first round. And again, did you hear those credentials? I mean, Tom DeBloss isn't giving out a purple belt to every Tom Dick and Harry that comes in off the street. Like, he, he really has a vetting process. He's a good jujitsu instructor. So for me to just see a guy get audited like that, it tells you how much of a freak of strength Carl Williams is. And it also tells you that the guy's really prepared for this level. Um, you know, he comes in, 
from ATT Atlanta. Uh, he does look to be one of the best prospects out of that gym. Uh, and we've seen a couple other guys, Cody Durden. He's now moved to American Top Team. He was from American Top Team Atlanta, as far as I know, uh, prior to moving out there. And he was always a talented fighter. He's kind of made that ascension. I think Carl Williams is a guy who could continue to make big leaps in between fights. I also did not love the short notice turnaround. Never would have bet it there. Uh, but I actually think this is going to be Carl Williams' first UFC finish. That's what he's been struggling with so Ooh. far. He's really not a guy that attempts finishes at a high rate. However, I just think he's going to be in every position he wants to in this fight. And I feel like Chase Sherman's going to find a way out because look at the Jake Collier fight. He gets put underneath. And he was so uncomfortable, he just turned and gave his back. I, I think, you know, it would almost be Carl Williams having to try not to submit this guy at a certain point. So uh, I think there's a reason that this guy who doesn't finish anybody's plus 400 to win by sub. I do think he's very live to do so. So uh, I think Carl's going to get the fight where he wants it, and I think he's going to win. Okay. I like it, Liam. I like it. The confidence is good. We'll see if I end up doing anything with it later in the week. Like I said, I'm definitely not confident in it. Um but Chase Sherman is a straight up fade at this point in his career. So hard to hard to argue for him unless the circumstances just kind of line up and are perfect. Everybody, first off, thank you again so much for joining the show tonight. This is Pub Sports Radio. We've got 160 live viewers, and I'm joined by one of the sharpest minds in the game, my guy Liam Picks Fights. Make sure you follow him, support him over on social media. And here's the deal. So at this point, we have given away four, count them, four t-shirts for the people in the chat. I will do one more. Before the main event, however, with 160 of you here, we have 70 likes on the stream. If you guys get me up and over 120 likes, that's the benchmark, 120 likes, by the co-main event, I will give a second t-shirt away. We'll do two more to close out the show that way. How's that sound? All right, fair, good, everybody. Yes, I make the rules anyway. Shut up. Next fight. <laughs> Next fight is Matt Brown taking on Court McGee, another one of those... Uh, Winner gets a new hip type of fights here, Liam. We got two ancient veterans of the sport, guys that I've loved and cheered for and cash tickets on and lost money trying to bet on as they've passed their expiration date. Matt Brown, the Hellbows, man. I will forever remember the Hellbow that he threw on Diego Sanchez. That's a highlight that's going to live in infamy to me. Um, he's two and three in his last five. Same matching two and three in his last five is Court McGee, except Court McGee is coming off being deaded by Jeremiah Wells. Now that's a different level of competition. So I kind of almost want to like draw a line through that one because Wells has stupid power, man. You can't really knock him for that spot. What you can knock is me for betting him against Wells because for whatever reason, uh, Wells made his UFC debut. I made money on him and then thought, ah, I'll fade this guy the next three fights in a row. What the am i doing i have no idea why i did that because he's really really good uh, but what we have here is this battle of age legends and i think court mcgee being the grinder that he is probably can grind out matt brown in this spot but as we know power is generally the last thing to go so matt brown is very much still dangerous in this spot but we have seen him struggle with grapplers and pressure fighters before we have seen him get tired and slowed down. As long as Court McGee's durability holds up, I, I think he's just going to kind of outmaneuver and outpoint Matt Brown for a 15-minute decision here, kind of like he always does. But with how old these guys are, somebody could flop dead in the middle of the floor, and it wouldn't surprise me off a jab. So very stay away for me. I'm picking Court McGee. I do not think I'm going to be betting this fight, Liam. What about you? You know, I was actually, I had the unique experience of being in person at Matt Brown's last fight um, in Columbus, Ohio. So shout out to the Columbus legend. You know, I, I was so surprised that they did him wrong in his hometown. I thought he won that fight uh, watching in person. Um, you know, I feel like 
Brian, uh, it was a it was a nice win for Brian. I'm glad to see him get one over the finish line. I'm sure if I rewatch it on television, it might have looked different. But watching it in person, man, I thought I thought Matt Brown whooped his ass the first two rounds and gassed out completely as he's wont to do. Uh, and Brian's yeah. just a really hard guy to kill, right? Whereas I feel like Court McGee is a little bit slow. Um, we've seen him knocked out before. Santiago Ponzinibbio put him in the box. He does have good durability historically. But then you look at who the UFC match makes him with and. It's very intentional, right? You see um, Claudio Silva, Ramiz Brahimash, a bunch of grapplers, guys that will test him there. Um, I think that they thought Jeremiah Wells might go out there and wrestle and grapple. He's got that black belt. Nah, he put a fist through his head, and I, I had a bunch of money on Jeremiah Wells. I did think uh, that that was a good spot for him. But that being said, you know, I thought Matt Brown was going to beat uh, his last opponent. I had some money on Matt Brown last time out. So do I want to get burnt going with a 42-year-old underdog? I mean, no, that's not something I'm thrilled by, but – um, would I be lying if I said that Matt Brown at four to one on the knockout doesn't tempt me a little bit when I just saw this guy get flatlined. I know that Matt Brown is an absolute hitter. Um, he's still training. He's still getting work in, does a lot of, uh, healthy recovery stuff. He's like helping, uh, Mark Coleman with his sobriety. They sauna together every day and all this stuff. He's around legends of the game. So I just feel like Matt, the immortal Brown, he's still coaching. He's still around it all. Um, and I think, very likely uh, Nichols is right unless Court McGee gets blasted out in the first round again, which I think is very possible. We talked about 38 being that cutoff point. He is 38. So it's two guys that are over 38 that could either one of them get knocked out here. But the guy who's more dangerous on the feet with more explosive tools, especially early, I feel like it's Matt Brown and not very close. The, the question is just, does he get him out of there early? Because if he doesn't, it's a long night at the office where you know Court McGee can hold up for the 15 minutes. And I think a lot of people bet Court McGee last time thinking he's going to hold up for the 15 minutes and then he got knocked out. So he can hold up for 15 minutes on cardio, but can he on durability and speed? And I think that's where the rubber will meet the road, but this is a fun old guy fight. So um, who knows what to expect here exactly, but I, I would be hesitant to let y'all. Okay. And that's right there with me, man. Fireball and popcorn on this one. I'm definitely passing. If I see a live avenue, if I get, you know, a, an even money spot after court drops round one and it looks like Matt is doing his thing where he starts to gas out, then maybe I jump in at that point. But uh, definitely not having an investment on this one on the front end. The next fight we're going to talk to you all about is Tim Means taking on Alex Morono. Man, the dirty bird. We just can't get rid of this guy. Not that we want to. He's very exciting. Very fun to watch. I always seem to underestimate Tim Means, Liam. I feel like he's had a – I talk about his chin issues, and I feel like maybe that's a little overblown. He got caught a couple of times. But then I went back and I watched the Griffin fight, and I was big on Griffin, Liam. I got lucky his last fight, this close on Griffin. Now, Griffin nearly deads him in the first round, and I believe I had like a big parlay with Griffin and then also the knockout prop. Never got the knockout prop. Barely survived on the parlay because Tim Means just refused to go away in that spot. Now, Griffin also didn't do a whole lot offensively. He really kind of picked his shots, and that round one knockout was the uh, the one real attempt that he had to like finish the fight there. Morono is way higher on the volume into things. I really think he's one of he's another one of these guys that has one speed and that's go. Like he just never stops. He will throw the kitchen sink at you. He's always in striking and combination. He's got fast hands. He doesn't use that BJJ black belt. We've talked about it for years. He refuses to wrestle, but if he gets on top of you, he's a freaking problem. So if he knocks somebody tall and long like Tim Means down, I don't think Tim is getting back up from that position and he may end up finding himself finished. It's another spot where 
the old guy with the questionable durability, I'm just going to line up against him. I can't find a way to Tim Means, even though plus 180 for a striker of his caliber is very tempting to me. I'm going to say Alex Morono, uh, minus 210. Maybe a little rich for my blood with him coming off the uh, the heartbreaking round three loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio, but that's the way I'd have to look here. I... Uh... I think that this is a tricky fight because, you know, for me, I feel like this fight is probably not going to decision. Um, I know that both of these guys have gone to decision a few times, but just like Morono seems like a guy who really wants to finish. He seems like an aggressive guy. He's often hunting uh, for big shots. That's kind of what caught him, got him caught against Pons. His cardio is not great. Uh, he does fall apart a little bit in the third round at times, especially in really high um, pressure, high pace fights. Tim Means can do a lot of damage, but he also has been finished in the uh, second and third round a few times, kind of slows down himself. Uh, so I feel like either one of these guys could get to dominant positions as the other slows down, especially if one of them gets hurt at any point, which I think is very possible um, with two guys that have as much experience in the game. For me, though, I think that Tim Means, his biggest upside here is if he can come out and win by knockout. I think that, you know, his grappling will be at a slight deficiency here against Alex Morono. I think he's a better grappler. Uh, he's not maybe as physical, maybe a little bit smaller, but I do think he's a little faster. I think he reacts uh, better to shots overall, but he's coming back pretty quickly off a knockout as well uh, against Pons. Uh, I don't know the exact time frame, but just like in my head, it feels pretty recently. And when I'm thinking about it, it was kind of an ugly visual there. Um, pretty brutal knockout. So for me, I would be a little bit worried about Morono just getting knocked out again. He's never had the best chin. I mean, Anthony Pettis almost knocked him out um, a few years back in the third round as well. The third round, he starts getting knocked out. You know, he just starts getting loopy and, and falling all over the place at times. So he also is one of these guys that's always coaching and then just says yes to fights like two weeks out from them and things like that. Yep. So maybe the level of preparation isn't always there. But think about this. He just had that heartbreaker against Pons. He fought his heart out. He gave them a great fight. I think he did it on short notice as well. Maybe this is them trying to give him a winnable fight, get back on track. You had that win streak going, or you had some good fights. You've had some fun fights. We're, we're going to give you a winnable fight against an older guy who's had a lot of mileage, who's maybe on the wrong end of his career and maybe doesn't have many fights left. So I think it's going to be uh, Alex Morono getting the job done here, but you know, Tim means by knockout. If you're looking to get uh, crazy, I, I feel like there's worse ways to play it because uh, we've seen Morono get chinned a number of times. We know Tim means is dangerous. He's got big knees, big elbows. He's hurt a bunch of guys, including Kevin Holland. Uh, if my memory serves, he hurt him in that first yeah. round a little bit. So uh, Tim means still dangerous. That's the thing with him, man. He's so dangerous. He's always in the fight until he's not. And that's, you know, I think uh, whether it's by a knockout or another split decision, like I think Alex will find his way to getting his hand raised on Saturday. All right, everybody, we are getting close. We're getting close to the end of the show. We're getting close to the like threshold. We're at 85, 85 likes. So if you guys want some T-shirts, you better start smashing because we need about 40 more of those likes before we do another giveaway. Daniel Rodriguez taking on Ian Machado Gary. Oh, boy. So Ian is getting that step up in competition he's been looking for. He is getting a solid opponent here in this spot in Daniel Rodriguez. And it's time to put up or shut up. You know, every every once in a while, not every once in a while, these young guns that everyone's excited about, these hot prospects, they eventually have that spot where it's that test. Do you pass the bar? Are they good enough? Nobody's sold on you. Everyone thinks they can fade you. Is this it? Is this the spot? Man, Liam, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, time out real quick. I know it's just a, a dumbass burner, but Robert Jones, I only have a few rules in this chat, man. 
you can say whatever the hell you want about me because quite honestly, I don't give a fuck about your opinion of me. But no hate speech, no spamming. That's pretty much it. So you keep spamming. I know it's an account you don't care about, but for everybody else listening, I will go ahead and, uh, you know, block you. You'll never be able to comment ever again. And again, yeah, the hairline, nothing I can do, buddy. It is what it is. People love me for it anyway. So, Liam, I cannot handle D-Rod. He's 17 and 3. He's 36 years old, and I just can't get the guy right. Like, the one time I ever decide to just go balls deep on a bet with Daniel Rodriguez he shows up and has the flattest performance of his life. And I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe he fell off that cliff. Maybe he's not as good as I thought he was. Maybe, you know, maybe he is overhyped like I originally thought. No, then he goes off and rattles off three more victories and I lose money trying to fade him, you know, once or twice in that run. I can't get Daniel Rodriguez right. So I kind of just need to stay away from him. But he's super well-rounded. He's a high-volume striker. He's got decent power. He's got fast hands. He actually has some underrated grappling on him as well. He's got some decent submission upside. Only 63% takedown defense. I do think he can be exposed in the wrestling by somebody, but that's not Ian Gary. Ian Gary's a Conor McGregor wannabe. He wants to stay out on the outside. He wants to use his hands. Strong offensive striker. Suspect defensive striker. He gets caught by a lot of stuff, and that's the concern here is when you've got somebody like Daniel Rodriguez with that volume and power on the other side, this might be the guy to finally expose Ian Machado Gary's chin. Now, I will say it. I'm going to keep saying it, you guys. You're going to be sick of me all the way up until the point that it happens because eventually it will. Ian Gary's an extremely underrated grappler. This guy on the regional scene showed some beautiful transitions and snatched up some sneaky subs on top of that. The last name Machado, my coach that gave me my blue belt, is a Machado black belt. They are the second family of jiu-jitsu. Everyone only knows the Gracies. The Machado is the other lineage of brazilian jiu-jitsu the fact that he owns that last name there's some grappling there that you guys need to be aware of and i'm gonna cash a sub prop on ian gary at some point is it this week i don't know if it's this week man but we'll see um ian is another big favorite here in this spot as hype trains tend to be minus 255 over on superbook sports plus 215 on daniel rodriguez liam we've been talking live dogs all night buddy is this another one? Is it a Daniel Rodriguez situation? What are you thinking here, man? Talk to me. Well, I like to disclose my biases, right? I always come up front and tell you, you know, if it's a guy from New York, I'll tell you, I might be a little biased. You know, patchy mix. I'm not going to be picking against that guy, right? I'm not going to be picking against. Um, well, you shouldn't because you know, he's a money train anyway. Exactly, right? <laughs> and and ex loyalty is plus EV. That's another law of life. But. True. When we're looking at uh, this fight, right, I'm a little biased, right? I like my guy, Ian Gary. He's an Irish guy, a little bit cringeworthy sometimes, but he's got his heart in the right place. I like the accent. I like everything he's doing. And underneath it all, he is a hard worker. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody from his gym raves about him. They all talk about how talented he is and how dangerous he is as well. So I feel like what goes uh, underlooked about Ian Gary is the talent. You know, everybody talks about the hype and the, uh, the gimmick and the cringe and the this, but He's a very talented guy and a really hard worker. You mentioned the underrated grappling. I do think that he's got very good grappling. Uh, I've bet his submission prop a couple of times, a couple quarter unit donations along the way at the plus 700s and the plus 800s. But coming. again, if that cash is one time, we're paying ourselves back. But the other thing is, you know, when you look at somebody like Daniel Rodriguez, I described Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny as a shark versus a fish, right? You're getting submitted by a fish. And we're talking about your underrated grappling. I always said the same thing. He submitted Tim Means. He did a couple of nice things. But then he's got four subs in his career. He's gotten submitted by Neil Magny. Neil works hard. He's a, a tough fighter. He's got good cardio. But, 
I mean, come on, man. Uh, he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's getting submitted by Neil Magny. It's a little bit scary in the UFC, right? Uh, just talking about levels to the to the black belt game. Um, so I think that for me, Daniel Rodriguez is a very tough guy, but he's 11 years older here. You know, he always talks about I'm undefeated in prison fights. Yeah, that means this guy fought a lot of times in ways that weren't sanctioned and regulated, probably has a lot of brain trauma, right? And maybe doesn't always have the best habits where I think Ian probably eats, sleeps, breathes in the gym every day, working really hard and just trying to get better. You know, he's kind of a little bit more of a cool lifestyle guy and he's fun and he's a banger and he boxes and he does this stuff. But how serious is he about every day winning MMA? I feel like the more focused guy right now, the more hungry contender is somebody like Ian Gary. Um, so I, I think that Evan's right. It was a fatigue-based submission, but we just saw Ian Gary get a finish with what, like eight seconds left on the clock. The guy pushes for the finish from minute one till the end. He's got good cardio. He's got good understanding of where he needs to be in relation to his opponent. If the guy's really scary, he tries to stay away from him. When he got hurt, he showed good recoverability and good heart. So for me, he's checked a lot of boxes along the way. Uh, I feel like they brought him up the right way. They had him fight a bunch of tough guys, uh, Gabe Green, whatever. One thing I want to bring up about this fight that will go under, look, the last two guys to beat Mike Perry, both fighting on the same fight card. Uh, we got Tim Means and we've got Daniel Rodriguez, last two guys to beat him in the UFC, and they're fighting one after the other. So maybe these guys are coming back for blood. Maybe they're fired up by seeing uh, Mike Perry go out there and get some wins. But unfortunately, I feel like they're both on the wrong end of tough matchups. And uh, yeah, I think that in this case, Ian Gary is a favorite that I'd be looking towards this week. Um, maybe not at the price. Maybe it's not an edge on the market, but do I think that he deserves to be a favorite? Yeah, he's a much younger guy. He's got some height and reach advantages. Um, you know, you look at some of the matches that have gone the way of Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, who thought he won that fight against the Leech, right? I didn't think he won that fight against the Leech. So if you, you could really adjust that record uh, looking back, and it could be two straight losses here against older guys in the division, a little bit questionable where he's at in his career. Whereas Ian Gary's just been on the up and up, moving up in level of competition and then performing. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Ian Gary's the side, but I'm biased as hell because I'm Irish and I want to see our guys do well. I hear you. That's fair, man. That's fair. But I'm right there with you. I, I honestly agree with you. And there are some weaknesses, but hey, who doesn't have holes in their game and what young rising fighter doesn't have that, you know, spot where they might be able to be taken advantage of. And honestly, Liam, the way I look at it, Everyone knows uh, the shit that I have talked and my uh, perceived hatred of Sugar Sean O'Malley. The thing was, I just felt like I could expose him. He was an overhyped prospect. I just feel like it was a guy that eventually would get an opponent who we could make money at a big plus line fading him with. And Ian Gary's no different. But he's gone up against a couple guys that I thought that would be the case, and he pushed through. And he got the win and he's getting better. And it, at a certain point, that window closes. Like, look at Sean O'Malley now. Bro's about to fight for a title. Now, I'm not saying Ian Gary is necessarily the next Sean O'Malley. I'm not comparing their skill sets or anything like that. But I legitimately think that these types of guys, the UFC gets behind them, they push them, they give them soft matchmaking. And you've got to be very careful that spot that you pick to pull the trigger because they're supposed to win in these spots. And I think he's supposed to win in this spot. I think he's going to win in this spot and show me the subline, man. I just want to see a number, Liam. I might be donating again on Saturday because I do think that whether you're knocking the guy down or if he goes ahead and takes a double leg and gets this to the ground on an opponent who's got 66% takedown defense and is a little bit older, I think this might be the one. So 
get get ready, folks. Don't be surprised. Do you whatsoever. remember in that last fight though, Clint, when my man is standing above like a a unconscious man, and instead of just taking the free rear naked choke, he's just like punching him with the side of the fist. I was like, please, man, don't do that ever again. It's not as aesthetically pleasing as he thought it was. Yeah, and so you do have to take that into account. That's something I've tried to keep in mind for myself, especially with Ian Gary. This guy likes to work with his hands. So you've got to remember, if you're betting the sub prop, you're betting on a man who likes to work with his hands. So you may just donate that bet because he'll never even attempt the submission. So just, you know, high risk, high reward. That's what it's all about, baby. So we'll we'll see. Give me a good number. Maybe I'll play it. Might roll inside the distance. Uh, yeah, WW coming in saying D-Rod has a 57% takedown defense his last five fights. Not a good sign for an aging fighter that's going to be on the wrong side of the age gap. I like Ian Gary on Saturday. Next up, everybody, your co-main event of the evening. And believe it or not, it's not me. It's Anthony Smith taking on Johnny Walker. Whoo. And we got a close line, Liam. Another very, very tempting spot. Anthony Lionheart Smith. Well, he was the plus 100 even money underdog. He is now the minus 105 underdog. Johnny Walker is minus 115. And it's been an interesting ride with my guy, Anthony Smith. Because it seems like he's this close to getting to the top of the division. Getting this close to... Uh, cracking into the top five and maybe getting a title shot. And then he falls apart. He's got a good, well-rounded skill set, man. He's got dangerous high-level BJJ. I will never, ever forget him picking his teeth up off the floor when Glover had him and pounded him for 15 straight minutes, handing them to the official and then going, no, it's all good. Come on. Like this guy has no quit in him. If you want a dog that will fight for your money, this is your man. Johnny Walker is incredibly explosive. He's got a heavyweight frame at 205. He is huge for this weight class. And D1 Johnny Walker's been doing his job. You know, ever since he started protecting that chin just a little bit, shooting for takedowns, he's done really well getting on top of people. He's been dangerous in the grappling situations. You can tell he's kind of putting it all together just a little bit, but... The problem for me with Johnny is always going to be that durability. The way he straight loses control and looks like a newborn baby giraffe when he gets banked on the chin, that's the scariest durability hole. Like, we call Jason Witt the chinniest guy in the UFC. It might be Johnny. It's just that, you know, he's high enough level offense that he can win some of these fights between the chinnings. Liam, he's the biggest glass cannon on the roster. And when I say glass cannon, I mean glass cannon because his offense is something you don't want to fuck around with. It's so weird because this is a fight where I can see both outcomes, man. I can see Johnny Walker shooting for takedowns and Anthony Smith never getting up for 15 straight minutes, just never being able to get this monster of a man off of him and losing another boring-ass decision victory. But I also can see... One get up, one scramble, one opportunity, and then Anthony Smith being the better fighter on the feet, being able to catch Johnny Walker on his way in on a takedown, maybe even some elbows, you know, those Travis Brown elbows up against the cage and just finding a way to Johnny's chin. I'm struggling here. I think the wrong guy might be favored. 
I might actually have to go back to the well with my man Anthony Smith here on this spot, but I'm hesitant just a little bit because of that poor takedown defense. Uh, what do you think of this fight here, Liam? I think that this is a tricky fight to call, to tell you the truth. You know, light heavyweight is a, a weight class where I've had some success in the past, um, but it's a very volatile weight class, and you got to know that going in. So when you don't see a big plus money number, it's a little bit less enticing to get involved, right? Because they're inherently volatile. I always talk about um, if you don't know something, right, if there's unknowns involved in the matchup, it should push the line closer to 50-50 because it's hard to ascertain who should be favored when you have a lot of information that you don't know. So in this case, we know basically everything about Anthony Smith, you know, that there is to know. He's been around forever. Uh, he's fought a million times. And I don't think he's the most athletically gifted guy. If you leave him hanging around for a while, he'll find a way back into fights. He's very tough. Uh, he's got good offense. Sometimes he's, his pacing is very bad, I, I would say. Um, you know, he comes out like a bat out of hell at times. And sometimes that works to his advantage. He storms guys and gets them out of there. Other times, you know, he never gets off the starting box. The John Jones fight comes to mind. He never did anything in that fight. The whole fight passed him by. He said, my biggest regret, I never did anything. You know, the fight was over. And I was like, man, I, went, I feel like I never got started. Um, so for me, those are the problems with Anthony Smith. A little bit of, uh, you know, we know what we're going to get, which is unpredictability. Sometimes it's going to look great. Sometimes it's going to look really bad. But then I feel like you look at the level of competition and you see Anthony Smith, when he fights a certain level of guy, he's going to clean him up. He's going to make him look bad. He's going to embarrass him, take him out in the first round, all these things. He's got good BJJ, which is uncommon for light heavyweight. Um, but Johnny Walker kind of checks that box too. And he's training now with uh, the first Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt in Ireland. All right, John Cavanaugh, baby, stand up. So he's actually made some improvements, I felt like, in his grappling since he's went to the gym. Surprising, I know, but he actually has. And he's also made much more tactically smart decisions, right? I know it doesn't look appealing to the eye. I know I hated watching it because I wanted to see him get knocked out by Tiago Santos and just cash the fight, <laughs> doesn't go to the decision and be done with it. But in any case, he fought a lot smarter there um, and he needed to learn. I got to be aggressive. I got to balance that aggression with, uh, you know, an ability to not get hurt and knocked out. So he was a lot more defensively responsible there against Santos, but he lost to Jamal Hill. I mean, what are we going to hold that against him? It's the champion. Looked great in all his subsequent fights. Whereas Fast you look at some of these the other division. fights, uh, for Smith, and I haven't always been uh, blown away by the guys that have beat him. Rakic has been out for a while, can't really make much of that. Glover Teixeira obviously went on to win the title, but has slowed down. He's a lot older. He's not losing to guys that are you know young up-and-comers in the division at all times. He's losing to guys who are age contemporaries and even older, 40-year-olds, you know, just guys that have been around the game just as long as he has. So I feel like the game is going to pass Anthony Smith by soon. And Johnny Walker might just be one level of evolution uh, newer in MMA. You know, the Krylov fight, I thought looked terrible until we saw Krylov go on this run where he's won a lot of fights here. Um, so I think that the physical intangibles for Johnny Walker, the dangerous power on the feet, uh, as well as his own submission prowess here is going to make it a hard fight for Anthony Smith. And we saw Anthony Smith giving up takedowns to Jim Crude on one leg to basically anybody who's ever attempted him. I thought oh, that he looked God. terrible in the Ankalaya fight prior to the stoppage. So I just don't know what to expect. He's doing commentary. He's got a lot of other things going on. He had the home invasion. I felt like that took some of his confidence. I'm not even trying to be a jerk. Just like I felt like we haven't seen the same guy in the octagon since then. So for me, you look at the wins, Devin Clark just got submitted in his last fight. Ryan Spann, he either submits you or he gets submitted. It's like there's just been a couple things going on where I'm like, is this a great win streak that he's put together? Or has have the UFC, because of his relationship, because he's a commentator, given him some matchups he could win. But as he steps back into the deep end at light heavyweight, 
it's going to be tough. He's a former 185 pounder. And even at 185, he was getting cleaned up a couple times and finished and having the fetal position kind of cover up finishes as well. Again, it, this is all said about a guy who would whip my ass, who's a great fighter, all these things. But now we're talking about him against another dangerous fighter. We're not talking about him against guys on the internet. So uh, I think Johnny Walker gets a lot of uh, you know hate for his chin, and it's bad. But he's also really dangerous, and he's put guys down. He's submitted guys. I feel like he could do those things to Anthony Smith because of his physical intangibles. Maybe the skills are there for Anthony, but the younger guy with a bunch of length, height, power, dynamism, you know, Khalil Roundtree was a big favorite to beat Johnny Walker and he got cleaned up too. So just there's guys that are more technical, more skilled. I'm better at this than you. And they get finished in, in mixed martial arts. So I think Johnny is uh, the guy with more physical intangibles. I would lean his way. Okay. All right. No action so far for either Liam or myself leaning on opposite sides though. I'm leaning ever so slightly with my guy. He's leaning ever so slight with Johnny Walker. And I'll be honest, I, I've been a, a Johnny Walker fan for a long time. You guys, I, I really enjoy his fights. He's nonstop entertainment. I've been rooting for him to do well. So if he does get by Anthony Smith here, that keeps the division moving forward. So, you know, JW has got the right idea. Just bet both. That always works. You're going to win one. <laughs> You're going to win one way or the other. If you just bet both. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's main event time and it's final giveaway time. So just so you all remember, go ahead and start typing t-shirt in the chat here. We're going to do a giveaway real quick here. And if you guys get me 120 likes on this video by the end of this giveaway, we'll do one more for you. But I need 120 likes and uh, we were just shy last time I looked, but we got 180 live viewers so if you guys just smash that like button, I'll get you some free merch. Let's go. Hit that T-shirt up. Let's get in the chat. Come on, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Now I'm going to scroll my wheel around, give you guys all a chance to get in here. And that one. Mark. Mark is the winner of our T-shirt giveaway here. Maybe, maybe the last t-shirt giveaway we're not sure yet mark congratulations uh the way i'm gonna do it guys is since i've got those three options now here on the online shirt i will get with the winners you guys can dm me which shirt you would like you've got your pick of you know the three designs and i will get one either shipped to you or i'll buy it myself and ship it to you myself one way or the other it might take a little bit but i'll get you your shirt uh please be patient with me on this one since i'm not sure if i'm gonna have to do the legwork myself or if i can get it to you that way following up here you know what we got 110 likes so liam let's break down the main event i'm gonna give you guys an extension if we can get 10 likes by the end of the breakdown i'll do one final giveaway at the end of the show next up here we have got jairzinho oh let me try again jairzinho rosenstroik taking on jailton almeida and it's another one of these spots where jailton almeida has had the hype since he got to the ufc from the contender series the contender series fighters, there's been a ton of them. Most of them are throwaways, but the UFC has been throwing their darts out there and they have landed a couple of gems. Jailton Almeida is one of them. He is the goods and he's finally getting that real test. Like they've given him time. They've brought him along. He's moved up his weight class and now it's time. Now he's getting tested. This is a true contender. This is a deadly, vicious power puncher. He's got to be able to get by this guy if he's going to realize all that talent and all that hype and be the guy we think that maybe he can be up at heavyweight. Now, this fight for Melium is extremely simple to handicap. I've done really well historically on Jairzinho, and it comes down to are you getting 
motivated, angry Jarzinho chip on his shoulder, Rosen strike. Because if you are, that guy comes forward with aggression. That guy swings for the cages. That guy has decent volume with his power, and it's a good thing. Or are you getting Jarzinho frozen strike? Because if he comes in lackadaisical, if he comes in backpedaling to the cage and just looking for that counter left hook, that guy gets beat damn near every single time. Now, every once in a while, his ridiculous power bails him out and he clips somebody doing that. But most of the time, somehow, he gets all 15 minutes to go by because his opponents know to just kind of time their shots, be patient, stay safe, chip away at him, and he's never going to win on volume. He's heavyweight Sam Alvey. So this fight is super simple to me. I need to listen to my interviews. I need to hear what kind of mindset Jarzinho has. At the end of the day, skill for skill, youth, age, all that stuff, it's got to be Jailton Almeida, Liam. He's one of these guys that I have tried to fade. I have, and it didn't go well. Now, I thought he just needed to get out of round one, and there would be a chance that I think it was actually Parker Porter I tried this on. I was going to live bet him. I said, if Parker Porter survives round one, I want to live bet him because I don't know what Jailton Almeida looks like in round two. I don't know what his gas tank looks like if he can't keep his opponent down on the ground, if he keeps getting back up. And I still think all those things are true. However, we've seen Jorginho struggle with exactly that type of fighter in the past. So I don't know that he's the guy who's going to be able to get back up out from under Jailton Almeida. I don't think he's the guy that's going to be able to push that pace and tire Jailton Almeida out. The exact opposite. He'll be the guy that gives Jailton the two minutes standing at distance that he needs to recover and breathe because he won't swing for those two minutes the entire time. So I'm picking Jailton Almeida. I mean, if, if we see something live and we get out of round one and I think there's a shot, maybe I jump in live on Jarzinho Rosenstreich. Uh, but I think it's probably Jailton Almeida, and it's probably brutal and early. So that's that's what I'm going with here, Liam, is Jailton by destruction. What about you, my guy? Yeah, I mean, I would have to lean the same way. Um, I think it's worth just running through super quickly the resume of Jairzinho Rosenstrike because uh, he beat Junior Albini and gave up two takedowns along the way against the big baby Junior Albini. Hyper Go boy. look up what he looked like in those fights. I mean, geez, Louise, that is frightening, frightening stuff. Uh, Alan Crowder. Who are you? I'm kidding, but you guys know what I'm saying. Andre Arlovsky, old and a little bit washed. Uh, was it an impressive knockout? Yes, it absolutely was. Does Andre's chin come and go like the wind? Yes, it absolutely does. Alistair Overeem, uh, a guy who was a little bit on his way out there, uh, had reinvented himself a little bit. And by the way, he won almost every second of that fight and got knocked out with about 30 seconds left with a punch that literally put a hole in his face. So the reason I bring that up is to say, out. Uh, Rosenstrike keeps his power for all five rounds. That's what's impressive about him. He got taken down routinely by Alistair Overeem. He got beat up on the feet there as well. But when he did land, he could punch a hole through your face. Okay, that's a good point in your favor. But then we look at uh, what else he's accomplished in the UFC, and he has lost to Francis Ngannou via knockout one in the most embarrassing fashion a kickboxer might have ever lost. It's literally this. It's something a guy from the street would do to you, and he just ran him down, and that was the end of the fight. Uh Rosenstrike looked good for the first like 10 seconds. He's like moving his head, moving his head. He avoids the first three. And then the last one just hits him and it's all over. He's asleep. So uh, that's Francis, right? He's got a little bit of a different level of power, but then he's kind of just been one up, one down, one up, one down. And against the best guys, he hasn't had anything for him. Uh, a lot of guys that have attempted takedowns have gotten two or more. He's given up two or more takedowns four times in the UFC. I don't know that he's fought a wrestler yet. So when I look at the guy, I just say to myself, this is a guy I cannot trust to not get taken down. So 
I think that Jailton Almeida, he's a very smart fighter. He normally comes out and he does the exact same thing. If you guys go back and watch, you'll see this exact sequence. I wish I could give the guy credit. There's a guy on YouTube. He put together a great video of this. Go check it out yourself. He goes, he throws a kick to the face, and then he goes for a double leg. And he does it to everybody, and he's been doing it since the Contender Series, and he gets the takedown, and then the guy goes down. Parker Porter's got a big ass, all right? We just saw it the other day. He slimmed it down a little bit. So more power and credit to him. God bless him for it. Was able to rally through a little bit of a storm there and get the win. But Parker Porter's big ass got lifted up in the air and slammed down as well, right? Jailton is a strong guy. When he wraps that double, you're going to the ground, you know? And I've seen him go on the ground with good guys, really good guys, in pure Brazilian jiu-jitsu and beat their ass in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, purely in the gi, outside the gi, in no gi. He's a black belt. He's going to absolutely do whatever he wants if this fight is on the ground. He does great things in terms of control. He passes the wrist. He beats people up with punches. He's like, oh, you, you want to turn away? No problem. And the second you present your neck, he grabs it, which is why the submission prop for a heavyweight fight is plus 100. So is that something I'm rushing out to bet? No, because he can easily knock this guy out if he wants to as well. He can just pull his wrist, throw 10 punches. We're all done here. Thanks for playing. He passed to the mount last time against Anton Turkali like it was nothing. And Anton Turkali is not bad on the ground. He's not completely incompetent. He's pretty physical guy. He came in at 220 there. He got absolutely rolled like it was no big deal. Jelton Almeida is just a different kind of physical athlete than a lot of these guys. Jairzinho Rosenstrike has tits. You know, again, we say this with love and respect, but just like look at Jelton Almeida. He's got pecs. Jairzinho's kind of got tits, right? It's just we're talking about <laughs> different guys here, right? And I'm trying to just do it as calmly and briefly as I can, but just like physical athlete-wise, what they're shooting in their ass, everything like that, I think it all goes to the way – of Jailton Almeida. I think Jairzinho is live by knockout at any point in the fight. So if you want to play KO1, because that's when it's most likely, you want to play KO, I understand. It's basically the same as money line. Probably just take the money line at plus 4XX if you could get it. But I just think Jailton's probably going to get takedowns. If you think he's going to get takedowns, I think he's going to absolutely rat. Like just do anything he wants to on the ground. He's plus 100, I think, to win this fight in round one. I mean, you know, it's just they're, they're like UFC on ABC, Jailton Almeida. Like, that's what it feels like Spotlight. to me. <laughs> um, so, obviously, Jairzinho, fun guy, can win by knockout, not counting him out. But that's, you know, it, would I be stunned if he won by decision? I would. Would I be pretty surprised if he won by – I mean, yeah, we, we would all be stunned. There's no way that Jailton could win this fight that I'd be surprised. He could do probably anything he wants to this guy, um, especially on the ground. Exactly. No, I'm right there with you, man. However he wants. It is always just – you know, Jairzinho has that life-changing power death in touch. round four, in round five. The death touch, man, it's always there. So you got to be wary of that, folks. If you do parlay it up, you got a great anchor this week. You've got an amazing anchor in Jailton Almeida and an easy hedge in a knockout prop for his opponent. So if that's the way you like to play it, uh, definitely go ahead and, and consider that at least. Um, that'll do it, folks. That was UFC Charlotte. And I regret to inform you all that we have 111 likes on the stream. You guys know I love you. You guys know I love you, but I said 120 and we are short. So uh, I do have five winners for your t-shirts. We've got George Ray Pro, my guy Nigel Lee, Dawes, David Hartman, and Mark. If you are one of those winners, please find me on social media, whether it be on Twitter, reply to the pinned tweet where this is. I'll find you. Uh, find me on Instagram. The Instagram DMs are, are open. You can definitely get me that way over there. But you guys uh, pick your shirt from the site. Let me know your size. I'll need your real name and your address so I can ship those, obviously. Um, 
and we'll get those out to you sooner or later. Like I said, please be patient with me. It might take a little bit longer because of the uh, process this time, but don't worry. We'll do some more merch giveaways and stuff like that for you guys that missed out. And of course, if you guys want to support me, best way you can do it is buy some merch. That's the quickest, easiest, most direct way that you guys can do that for me. Check out the site. Go get yourself a shirt, a beanie, a sticker, whatever. Liam, thank you for sticking with me, man. Thank you for doing this breakdown with me, my friend. Fun as always. I appreciate you. Everybody, make sure you go support this man. He is the leader of the Good Guys Rise movement. Definitely an awesome pillar of the community and always preaching, you know, positivity very much like we do around here. So, Liam, if you've got anything you want to shout out, you know, shows, sponsors, whatever, the floor is yours, my guy. Let the people know where they can find you and support you. Appreciate it. Uh, Going to be doing Liam's first look, a show that I started last week, uh, basically sitting down, giving all my first impressions of these fights before I do all my research. Oftentimes you can overthink some of these fights if you give it too much thought. So I like to get my, my thought process out there early, let people know, uh, and then come back later in the week, Thursday, uh, regular show with Rich going through trying to uh, come up with our best betting angles and everything like that. Full predictions, all our research done. Uh, I do a full card uh, prediction article for Roto Grinders as well every week. You can find all my stuff at the Lab VIP. You can find all my information at Liam Picks Fights everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I truly appreciate it, my man. It's always a pleasure coming on with you. Um, Pub Sports Radio, we do the live show every Saturday right. as well. Uh, when you're on there, it's an absolute banger. So uh, it's just been great times all around and happy to get back to it this week. UFC Charlotte, I think that uh, it's good to get back out of the apex, man. Uh, anytime we can get a UFC live crowd, it's a lot better. So, man, I'm just excited for the fight card this weekend. Ready to get back after it and couldn't do it with a better guy. So appreciate you, my man. Right there with you, my guy. Thank you so much. Definitely appreciate it. And I'll make one of those live streams again here soon. I uh, was on one just a couple weeks ago. Been doing uh, a whole lot of family stuff since. So definitely looking to get back on the live stream with the boys. Speaking of the boys, last but not too late, uh, MMA locker room in the house. What's up, buddy? Thanks for jumping in here on the show. All right, everybody. That's UFC Charlotte. Thank you again so much for spending your Monday nights with me here. Of course, the total takedown later in the week and the undefeated post-weigh-in show where I break out the tinfoil cap. It's been working for us in 2023. The tinfoil cap is paying the bills. Tinfoil gang stand up. All right, everybody. Be good. Go out there. Spread some love. Times can suck. We can hit those ups and downs. We're coming to summer. Everyone's going to get hot. Everyone's going to get angry. Do your best to simmer down. Cooler heads prevail. Drink some water. Stay hydrated. You guys have a good week. Kick some ass. No, I love you. Let's roll.